You're tuning in to the Wild, Weird, and Sometimes Normal podcast. If you have a story or a guest recommendation that you think others need to hear, email me at wildweirdandsometimesnormal at gmail.com. Let's get this started. Alex and Brett, kick it! Wild. And sometimes normal. On this episode, I'm joined by Enrica Jang, and we discuss all things Edgar Allan Poe. Enrica is the executive director of Poe Baltimore, the Edgar Allan Poe House and Museum in West Baltimore. In October, they're hosting the Poe Festival. It's an annual festival that is a weekend-long event, and there are some really cool exhibits and things to do planned. We discuss Poe's life and death, and even correct some of the misinformation out there about Edgar. Was Poe a madman? A drunk? Did he die in the gutter? We get to the bottom of these rumors and celebrate one of America's greatest writers. In true wild and weird fashion, we also touch on any Poe ghost sightings. Give the Poe House a follow on social media and let them know you heard about them on Wild and Weird. Enjoy the show. Are you looking for CBD for your pet? My friends at Pure Pet Wellness have what you need. They use the highest quality ingredients. While other companies may use synthetic oils in their CBD, Pure Pet Wellness uses organic ingredients. Organically grown hemp, organic coconut oil, organic shea butter, organic beeswax, and that's just to name a few a family-owned and operated company that also offers fast shipping. Go to purepetwellness.com for all your pet's CBD needs and use the discount code WILD and WEIRD at checkout. That's WILD, A-N-D, WEIRD. Treat your animal right. Go to purepetwellness.com. Are you looking to buy a home in New Jersey? Escape the city and move to the suburbs? Finally purchase a vacation home on the lake or down the shore? Maybe you're one of the lucky ones who are retiring and moving out of state. If so, let me help you. Keller Williams and the Real Estate Professional Group have what you need to make your goals come true. Reach out and have a conversation with someone who will put you first. Contact Brian McCoach at 856-321-1212 or email McCoach at kw.com. Welcome to another episode of Wild, Weird, and Sometimes Normal. I'm your host, Brian. And today, my guest is Enrica Jang. She is the executive director of Poe Baltimore and the Edgar Allan Poe House and Museum. We're going to talk all things Edgar Allan Poe today. Welcome. Thank you very, very much for having me. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for coming on. So you guys in Baltimore, I've won. I love Baltimore. Uh, go down there. A few times been down there. Inner Harbor is great. And Fells Point, so much fun over there. You just uh, you can stay overnight and bounce around, seafood and different bars you can bounce in and out of. A lot of fun over there. Are you located near there? We're not near Phil's Point. We're actually on the other side of town, but it is a great city. We are a tiny house museum uh, in West Baltimore, closer to the B&O Railroad Museum. And uh, Baltimore, it's called Smalltimore. It's an intimate city in a lot of ways. Uh, you, you have your little, your different neighborhoods and stuff like that, but everything is just sort of interconnected and and it is easy to get around and it's a cool place to be. Yeah. I think it's like a two hour drive from Philadelphia, maybe hour 45. There. Yep. Nice and easy to get down there. Yeah. So in, in some of my Edgar Allan Poe research, I had no idea that he lived in Philadelphia. 
And I'm going to take a field trip over there. They have his his house preserved, and I think it's a museum. Let's yeah. go over there and check this out. It is. Poe in his lifetime never owned property. Now that he's dead, you can visit three of the houses that he lived in. So the one in Baltimore, Poe House, is the last surviving home in the city where Poe and his family were known to have lived. There is the one in Philadelphia run by the National Park Service. Highly recommend a visit. It's really, really great. Ask them what's under the floorboards. And then you can go all the way up to New York, and there's a Poe Cottage in the Bronx. Really, really great visit. Uh, wonderful place. And that's unfortunately, is where Poe's wife, Virginia, passed away, the house she, that uh, she died. And you can actually see the bed that she died in. If you go down to Richmond, a wonderful museum to Poe in Richmond, Virginia. He also lived there. And uh, they have all the really cool Poe stuff. Really wonderful museum. They just celebrated their 100th anniversary. So you can do the entire Poe pilgrimage up and down the East Coast and see these wonderful places. Not a Poe house, though, in Richmond. It's one of the advantages we have over them. They're not a Poe house. But in Baltimore, his father's family from Baltimore, deep family roots for Poe there. And he lives there now. He died there. So we have the body. That's another. Baltimore really loves Poe. And we have him. So there you go. That's great. I saw that, I guess, annually, some people leave flowers and liquor for him at his gravesite. I would say every day. But yes, wow. you're you're correct. No, but annually on his uh, Poe's birthday, there is a kind of ceremony. It's more ceremonial now. There was a mysterious figure called the Poe Toaster. Uh, the tradition was that the Poe Toaster would steal into the cemetery at midnight on Poe's birthday, leave cognac and roses on Poe's grave. But the, that tradition, unfortunately, kind of officially stopped in 2009 and now it's more ceremonial to hire someone to come out and do it but it's uh, if you want to hang out in a cemetery in january it's a really good cool place to be and then in october proposed death weekend death date uh, we have the uh, international edgar Allan poe festival so got your choice wonderful and what year is the is this for the festival this is year six for the festival super excited about that uh, during the pandemic we went virtual for 2020, just like everybody else, but year six for this really cool event. What do you guys have going on for the festival? Well, Poe Festival, uh, two days, books, music, vendors, food, a stage, just about in celebrating just about anything Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, we have a free program. The event is free to the public uh, right in front of the Edgar Allan Poe house. And we have several different performers from all over the country, some folks even coming in internationally this year. And you get to hang out with fellow Poe folks. Again, that festival is free during the day. And then over the weekend, we also have ticketed events, the Black Cat Ball, our gala event at Westminster Hall, where Poe is buried. That uh, is a lot of fun, the official party of the festival. And we do tours. We do tours of Poe House. And all of this benefits the museum. That's really cool. Does the rest of the city get involved and have like offshoot events? It is. We're sort of sort of taking over the city. Like October is always Poetober in the city of Baltimore anyway, because you just have uh, you mentioned Fells Point. It's a really great place. Uh, there's a place that claims to be Poe's last stop. Well, you can argue about whether or not that's in fact true. But uh, th they do a lot of uh, really cool stuff in Fells Point. You have a lot of ghost tours. You have different performers, different theaters uh, doing lots of different things. And uh, very slowly kind of like creeping over into other locations in the city. So uh, working with the National Edgar Allan Poe Theater this year for a movie night, Friday night. And we do an exhibit, a poet. Well, this year's going to be a Poe in Comics exhibit at Westminster Hall. And that's for an entire week. And then, of course, near Halloween, people are, have Poe on the brain all, all through the entire month of October. So I would say 
maybe high level Poe knowledge, you know, the Raven, you know, great poem and and some of his stories and I've had to read through high school and college and things like that. And always entertaining. And then so the last week I've just kind of, you know, been doing a little bit of a deeper dive and uh-huh. and learning some more. So one very complete shock to me. Like that his, I just assumed his middle name was Alan. I didn't realize that he was adopted by another family, not officially adopted, I guess. And then their surname was Allen. And so they made him, he was Edgar Poe, then Edgar Allen Poe. So that was just a three, you know, John Wilkes Booth type of deal, like just a middle name. Completely wrong here. Poe, um, yes, he was taken in by this foster family, never formally adopted. And that actually does become an important part of his biography because when his foster father passes away, he's like one of three wealthiest men in Virginia. He dies and leaves Edgar nothing, leaves his foster son nothing. And so... Uh, that's a significant part of Poe's biography, but yeah, no, he he was born Edgar Poe, and that's where the Allen comes from. During his lifetime, he signed his name Edgar A. Poe. Kind of hang on to that name, but uh, sort of an indication of probably what he what he thought of it. So his stepfather was taking the the Bill Gates approach, where they're saying they're giving their their children nothing and giving it all away. And you're like, I was born and I hit the lottery by being born in this family, and you're giving me zero. Yep, this- you have to work like the rest of us, I guess. You know. I think in this instance, in this, it's really sort of that typical clash of personalities between a father who, or a foster father who, he was, you know, Scottish immigrant, Presbyterian, a merchant, nickname was Jock. He was very much practical, pragmatic, just man of his time. Whereas if you can imagine the kind of sullen teenager that an Edgar Allan Poe would have been, kind of the original emo kid, might feel a little pity for John Allen and kind of like that clash of of personalities. But John Allen wanted Poe to be grateful for everything that had been given. He wanted him to, this should sound familiar to a lot of uh, folks, I wanted his foster son to be aware that he was very lucky and given a lot of opportunities that John Allen himself had not had. And that's, you know, a lament, a typical lament of a parent. Whereas for for Poe, for Edgar, he was two and a half when he's taken in by this family. And he's a foster son, never formally adopted, and never allowed to forget it. So you have a, a young man who doesn't understand why his family is not his family. It's not like when he was two years old, he said, you know, oh, well, thanks for wanting to take me in, give me a house, but I'm fine. I can take it from here. We're cool. Like they made the decision to take him in. They, you know, and yet they wanted him to be sort of grateful. And then Poe really loved his foster mother, kind of eyed a little bit of the infidelity on John Allen's side and very much a do as I say, not as I do kind of man. And the two were sort of had this inevitable clash when Edgar's in his teens, the later John Allen just cut him out. Wow. Well, you know, you have to pull yourself by your bootstraps and all those other great sayings, but that's that's a little, little rough, you know. And also, oh, kind yeah. of like the Harry Potter background of like, oh, you're living with us, but like, you're you're not a part of us. And the occasional time that will show affection is going to be offshoot by you know a hard discipline or a hard attitude or a reminder that you're you're not one of us. Right, right. And that's such a. I think a lot of people can identify with that story. You either had that parent or you have that kid that you don't understand, and both of you have a point of view. And that's the 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 great challenge of our time, right? Seeing other people's point of view and figuring out how to <laughs> how to get along. So, but we see that with Poe, and for a young for a young man who never could feel that his home was really his home, that his family was really his family. 
that kind of insecurity to be raised by that, that's not something that just goes away. So a little the struggle there. So some of Poe's writings are a little dark. You know, you're saying, you know, the emo kid type of thing. So that would that would be fair that he's, you know, in that sadness phase and then you're looking towards, you know, a, a darker, I guess, type, type of outset on life. You know, where's he drawing inspiration from when he when he starts becoming a writer? Well, I do share with people that while there are elements of Poe's life definitely tragic, and he could be the brooding poet, uh, I also like to point out the kind of gallows humor that we see in Poe and this kind of lightness and uh, teasing tone sometimes. Casco Montiato is one of my favorite examples where you have this murderer who's just very light and airy about this ghastly thing that he's doing. And then at the end of the story, you realize he got away with it. Everything that happened was 50 years ago. And he's been walking free and and just fine with all of it ever since. That is a kind of, again, that gallows humor and, and glee that you see a little bit of with Poe. There are some people who confuse the persona of Poe's writing with the man himself and he had an entire career as an editor, had an entire career as a contributor to the magazines that employed him, had a lot to say about literature and writing. And it's very clear that he's very intentional in the effect that he's trying to create in his work. So rather than being a passive, like passive to his gift, he's a master of the text. He's a master of uh, drawing these emotions out of the reader. And that's why these stories kind of stay with us. So I think he likely was inspired by some of the darkness in his life, but this is a man of great humor, a man of incredible intellect and just power in in the writing. And I think that's why he endures. So, but writers draw from just about everywhere, right? So it, it's hard to know. He's a voracious reader. Uh, he had, a, again, a lot to say about literature of his time, there's a whole body of work from Poe that is never read today because it's all, you know, book criticism or and a commentary on other writers, this kind of stuff. It's not what is assigned to students. They they read the, the short stories and the poems. They don't they don't see a lot of Poe's criticism. Uh, and he's the inventor of the detective story. So quite a life of accomplishment for a man who died at the age of 40. I feel like I have four questions out of that. But one his criticism of you know the contemporary books that he was reviewing. In hindsight, are they looked upon as fair, the reviews, or did he skew? Was he extra hard on people to bring himself around? You know, I'm trying to, to get it, I guess. To... I think so. In Poe's day, uh, he was known, he kind of makes his bones early in his career as a vicious book critic. He's known for being really sharp and acerbic about other writers. Uh, sometimes a bit of a hypocrite, too, because he would criticize some of these folks uh, for doing some committing some sins that he himself commits in his work, even getting a little personal, like about their appearance and this kind of stuff. Poe is in his later 20s at this time, uh, early 30s. He's a young writer kind of punching up. And again, I, I joke about this. He's almost like the original hipster. All the things that you might think were cool about literature, he would explain to you why they were not cool and what you should be reading instead. And uh, he was known for that He in, and makes a reputation uh, around that, not just a writer of gothic tales, but is noted for his very strong opinions. He's a proponent for American letters. 
the country is very young at this time. His grandparents served in the revolution. So the country is, is very, very young. This is pre-Civil War. And he wanted Americans to embrace their own literary tradition. He felt that you know, Americans were a little too beholden to the British and, and, and to Europe. So they should be embracing an American tradition. He was a big proponent for Southern letters, you know, raised in Richmond, New England were the, he considered the gatekeepers of literature at the time. And so he kind of railed against that a bit. But do I think he was fair? Uh, I, some of the writers that he he wrote about, I've never even heard of, <laughs> but we've all heard about Edgar Allan Poe. So <laughs> I think it gives you a sense of, <laughs> he was probably a better authority. <laughs> some of this stuff. I like that it sounds that Poe would fit perfectly in this time. He's like one of the original emo, fits in with the hipsters, and that kind of also seems like maybe like a Twitter troll a little bit if he's sitting here and like picking on people's appearances and and, <laughs> and, and grabbing through their books as he's going and going through their their works. Maybe probably. I'm becoming more of a fan imagine. as we go on here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he well, he liked to um, he tried to perpetrate a couple of hoaxes in the magazines to try to trick the public and stuff like that. So would he have kind of fit in? Probably uh, he invented <laughs> fake news. This is amazing. <laughs> Did not invent it, but he certainly was a proud bearer of the tradition. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah, uh, was he recognized for you know now he's looked as a great American writer. Sure. Was he recognized in his time? Or, or is this after his death that he was given more acclaim? I think he was recognized by the reading public in his day for the early part of his career. Like I said, he makes his bones as, you know, uh, this critic kind of known to the reading public. So if you know, can rattle off the names of like maybe some reporters for The New Yorker or, you know, somebody, somebody who's at that level would have recognized him. He becomes popularly famous with the publication of The Raven even if you didn't know anything about poetry or care, and not everybody cares about poetry, they should, but not everybody does. You would have heard The Raven. It was like a pop song, uh, very romantic, gothic, the repetition in the, in like sort of like that sort of musical nevermore, nevermore. Like this, you know, captures the imagination of the nation, flies around the world. It makes him popularly famous. Uh, it's almost like a pop song. So but this is four years before he died. So it's hard to know where his career would have gone had he been able to continue. Uh, and he gets in a little bit of trouble because the the fame that he achieves with the Raven kind of, he goes a little too far in some of the social circles and enjoys the attention just a little too much and gets in a little bit of hot water. But had he been able to continue again, he dies at 40. People were interested in him, would purchase tickets to come and see him speak. But you could also see different times where he's got some self-sabotage going on, likely struggling with alcohol, some depression. Uh, his wife had died and he was just coming out of mourning, just looking like he was about to turn a corner when he passes away. And so. Now, during some of these tough times, you're saying the Ravens written four years before his death. So he was in some dark times. His wife passes away. There could be some alcoholism. Is this scene affecting his work or he's he's just one of these Hemingway type of people that like I'm going to go at it hard and still turn out classics. Well, you know, I think uh, Hemingway's a great example of of a young man's ability to do that, right? And it and it kind of wearing on you later. There are years of sobriety for Poe where it doesn't appear like he's drinking very much at all. But then there are years where drinking is affecting his employment, his relationships. We see this in contemporary letters. We see this at the time and this kind of struggle and. 
the typical fight that comes from the drinker saying, oh, well, it's not that I'm drinking a lot. It just doesn't take very much to get me or I'm, you know, I was just depressed and and, and that's over now. And, and alcoholism is such a, it's still such a taboo thing. Addiction is such a, still such a taboo thing because so many people confuse it for a moral failing. And that's very true in post-day. Whereas we understand it's a disease and have a more sophisticated understanding of it as a disease, but it's still hard to get that image out uh, from people. So you have the pendulum swinging one way or another. Like one, people say, dismiss him as a drunk and, oh, well, he was just, you know, a drunk talent and that's what made him good. And you've got people going the other way saying, oh, no, he never touched a drop of alcohol. He was allergic to alcohol. He had a special allergy that made him particularly susceptible. and that's you know, likely not true either. Uh, might have be true, but the, the truth is likely that he would have struggled with what we would understand as addiction now. And some years of sobriety and some years where it just decimated his life. Like so many people, you know, now struggling, but it's probably the more police back then were probably hiding some things in their closets as well as they're judging him of your moral <laughs> shortcomings. Right. Well, as, he as they're taking a nip every night and, and going to bed just fine. Right. Well, as as too, because we, we we've been talking about you know as a critic, he made some enemies. People don't like it when you say that kind of stuff about him. And so there's Poe is this very famous example of people at the end of a celebrity's life kind of really behaving quite badly. There were people who once Poe was dead and couldn't defend himself, took the opportunity to really savage savage him. Rufus Griswold is the most famous example of what we would call a frenemy kind of taking advantage he becomes Poe's literary executor and writes really nasty stuff about Poe that to this day has to get raked out of his history that he was Poe was insane or had incestuous relationships with every member or female member of his family and like all this other craziness Poe was dead he couldn't defend himself and again that persona of Poe's writing confused with the man himself he becomes this kind of rock star image and as fun as that image can sometimes be, too, the truth is, the truth is other, <laughs> but it's just as strange as the fiction. So it's kind of funny looking at, I guess, how we've used celebrities now, or you, know, you said rock stars now, and then sometimes some of that debauchery adds to their legend, and you're like, this is amazing! Like they threw ten TVs out of a, a hotel, and now like imagine you're at that hotel, you're like, why are they making so much noise? Why are their TVs flying? Like you wouldn't be able to handle any of it. And Edgar Allan Poe, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm reading through and checking it out. And, you know, I, I'm here to say that I, I thought he died a, a drunk and a madman and all these things. I remember reading it somewhere, but it turns out that it's this frenemy writing his obituary and then writing, I, I guess, one of his only authorized biographies that nobody was there to refute or do anything. And and apparently he made up a lot of it or had a lot of, you know, uh, with the, the writer's uh, uh, leniency. I'm trying to phrase but no yeah he took a lot of liberties but he wasn't sadly he wasn't the only one baltimore of course is the city where poe died and and like like you said there's a lot of belief that you know Poe died in the gutter or that he was murdered or lots of other fun conspiracy theories about uh, about what killed poe it is a bit of a mystery but even poe's doctor the physician that was present when poe dies he dines out for the rest of his life talking about the last days of Poe, 
And what starts out as a simple death in the hospital turns into deathbed speeches, extra symptoms. He goes on tour. He writes a book. He becomes the mayor of a small town outside of Baltimore. The doctor, you know, really capitalizes on the the celebrity, that this intense interest in Poe and that so Poe's death is as much a mystery because we don't know the cause of death. And part of that is because the doctor's account changes over time because it suited his purposes to sort of change his story as time went on. So it's you know, life and death and literature. I think Poe's death is still a mystery. Again, as the inventor of the detective story, he might find that pretty fitting. But it is a shame that a lot of what is believed about Poe, which is unfortunate, is pervasive. It's funny that as more things change, they stay the same. That's like celebrity culture of how can I cash in on once they're dead? And, you know, this the doctor, the physician going around. And he, since he was the last, you know, I, I guess he did the autopsy, wherever it might have been. But then people want to know, like, oh, you have the last detail that you could tell me of, of, of this person that I'm following. And as, as you said, like, it just behooves him to keep building the story and building it more. And, you know, Poe's last words were Reynolds. And then, you know, now there's, you know, what does that even mean? Right, right, right. That's uh, it hasn't hurt Poe's popularity. <laughs> yeah, for for me, believe it, no, you know, I would have recited back to you lies, and it uh, didn't hurt at all. That I'm like, oh no, I I've read a bunch about your own Poe. That's you know, great. Guy, right. guy was a madman at the end. Who who doesn't love that? Yeah, exactly. And some of it, I'm sure, was personally galling for the people who loved him and knew him. Uh, but on the other hand, he is now immortal. For better or for worse, but the writing still endures. And I think that's the important thing. As much as we do talk about Poe and he is a, a pop culture figure and an icon, the writing still, still gets people. And what else could you ask for? Yeah, as I say, he still comes up in, in pop culture. His writings on his own mm-hmm. remain very popular. And a few years ago, it was called the, um, I believe it was The Following, and it was um, oh, yes. a TV show with. Uh, Kiefer Sutherland? Kevin Bacon. Sorry. Yes, yes, yes. Those of us who love Poe, it was a little bit uh, to see this whole murderous philosophy attributed to Poe and this justification for like serial murder on a mass scale. That's a little, it was a little weird. But no, he does keep showing up. And for different generations, my generation of kids, you know, saw Poe in The Simpsons in like the Raven and the Simpsons and like this next generation of kids like watching Wednesday on Netflix like nothing about Wednesday really is about Poe and yet you've got Poe references all over that show and it's so great Christian Bale and Harry Melling just did a movie called Pale Blue Eye so Poe is in that too and then coming up we've got the House of Usher from Mike Flanagan and Luke Skywalker's gonna be in it Mark Hamill's gonna be in it so it's Poe is everywhere and it's always fun to see that I like that you said that, you know, your generation, I, I think we're probably the same generation, you know, the Simpsons and Edgar Allan Poe, but then currently the newest generation can still say the Simpsons because it's been on for, you know, we're getting up to like 30 something years. It's crazy. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. Um, it's funny. There's, there's South a bunch Park of- South Park and Poe too. Um, a whole bunch of, yeah. Still on like, for South Park too. Yeah. 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 My little rant. So people are, oh, the- do you watch The Simpsons? You know, get random conversations with friends or strangers. Like, oh, do you watch South Park? It's like, well, I, I watched it for five or ten years, and in the nineties, and then like, oh no, I'm talking about the episode last month. I, I have no idea. How is that possible? Yeah, 
Absolutely. At the uh, time, well, I would have said a huge Simpsons fan. And now looking back, I'm like, oh, I only followed 10% of their career. I have no idea what's happening. Well, when Wednesday actually came out, my phone, it was like almost like a slot machine. My phone was just like text after text after text. Have you watched Wednesday? Have you seen it? Goes in it. Goes. And, and then a Eurovision, too. I think it was the team from Austria. <laughs> they did a Who the Hell is Edgar? song uh, based on Poe and there's a whole dance that goes with it. So for Poe House, this is wonderful. It is so cool to see all these references and and to see this new group of kids that come in. They're like, what is what is this? And this is how it happens. And that's a lot of fun. You know, I think it's good. Obviously it's good for for the Poe House, but even as so I, th- I think this is good for the generation. You know, he invented the detective story. He has these emo goth motifs that he's he's following and in current literature i'm not reading every single book that comes out but you know you look at then like compare that to a stephen king you can read edgar Allan poe and you can pretty much go to sleep at night and not have horrible nightmares or you can read stephen king and depending which book it is you might not go to sleep for a couple of days or you might be wondering about like what's happening in the corner over there and for that type of book for edgar Allan poe to still carry leave a little of the imagination type of saying, like for people to sit there and, and take that in instead of Stephen King, like painfully detailing, you know, people being gutted open or whatever it might be. Well, I would prefer to you too, though, that, you know, you could open up just about any Stephen King story and you'll find a Poe reference. He makes no bones about loving Poe and being inspired by Poe. And so I love Stephen King and graphic stuff notwithstanding, Stephen King understands just as Poe did. He takes this lesson that there are some very resonant things that will stay with you. And it's actually not even so much the graphic description of them, but just the truly chilling, the truly chilling nature of leaving someone to suffocate and die alive behind a brick wall or to be buried alive or to melt into a pile of goop in a bed. Like these are... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they do keep you up once you really understand what's happening. And, and the I, was true say, I guess that's true. If you start thinking about it more, like Stephen King explains it to you in what's happening, where Edgar Allan Poe leaves it for your mind to then continue to think about like what's that actually like being locked, you know, buried behind a brick wall, buried alive behind a brick well, wall. Defend Stephen King. I mean, they're both, you know, they write these perfect short stories that have that, that really have this impactful gut punch that sometimes it even takes a little while to like it hits you in waves and i've i've read a lot of Stephen king stories where that actually happens and there's a subtlety in it the subtlety or slyness of evil that king is very very good about and you see a little bit of that in 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 the cold calculation or the the cold malice of a murderer psychopath in the telltale heart for instance i was never so kind to the old man than the entire week before i killed him <laughs> it's like, oh that's chilling this is horrible this smiled in his face and he knew nothing and then he's like next page chopping him up into pieces so, so that's it's it's really it's cool i'm smiling and laughing through it but it's actually pretty pretty scary just the nice like the play on words. It's, it's just he, he has a great way of putting a sentence out there for you to think about and then keep reading and then for and then for it to gnaw in the back of your mind to then you know register what he's actually saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Stephen uh, King does too. If, if 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 Mr. King is listening, I think he got it too, sir. So uh if Mr. King is listening, none of this was a knock on him. This was just more a Edgar Allan Poe. I 
that left more for you to think about it, where Stephen King can do that in short stories and has written in some of that extensive detail. He can smack you in the face with it too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen King. Yes. There was a Gerald's Game, I think it was, was a Stephen King book, and yeah. uh, uh, that. If I think about that book now, that still gives me like a hard time. Where this husband and wife were uh, went a little getaway on a cottage, and then the the, the woman is chained to a bed, and then the husband dies, and then in and out of consciousness, this woman thinks she sees somebody in the corner of the room, and then she would fade out of consciousness and wake up and wasn't there. So it was a little bit: is she going mad? Is she not? And you know, I guess there's those spoilers twenty years later, but there was somebody in her in her room, and it was pretty frightening. And right. just you know, you don't have to get into the whole situation how she got there but there's a lot of things just thinking like if you were handcuffed somewhere like how do you get your hand out of that and she tried everything to get her hand out you know but it's just oh you know some of it just really sticks there right one word the gloving but that story is very pit in the pendulum s you've got that first person hurt like you've got this person enduring this you're in their brain with them while they're enduring what they're experiencing and that's 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 poe that's stephen king like in that and that's in that these two things together. So uh, Stephen King's been pretty, you know, explicit about Poe being this inspiration for him and, and you see it and he's very loving about it. It's 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 pretty cool. And for Poe describing somebody being buried alive, and I've read that you know several yeah. times through high school and college and on my own, and never really thought twice about it. But then the movie Casino uh, has Joe Pesci and they're out in the desert and his brother is like half beaten to death and buried alive. I saw that once. I'm done with like I I can't watch it if it comes on USA or TBS or whatever and people uh, love it and they bring it up it is that it's seen as so disturbing to me I don't want to watch it anymore and, but yet I could go read reread the Edgar Allan Poe part of it yeah you know, maybe visually versus reading it's different for me I, I don't know yeah for some folks I think probably there's a there's a that level of it it hits a little different like once you I was talking to somebody about this the other day too though about you know as you mentioned it. Poe's going to be assigned in, you know, middle school, high school. It's the kind of stuff that keeps you awake in English class. Then as you experience more, my my experience has been that as I've gone through life and I clearly remember reading my first Poe story, even my first Stephen King story. Like I, I remember those things and just, again, being kind of gleeful about all of that, you know, the, the darkness of it and kind of indulging in that. But there's this promise of emotion like you don't have a true sense of it yet. And then as I've gotten older, coming back to Poe, I see more layers. So you see the humor, you see pain and that fear when you're young, right? You're not afraid of anything, not really. (laughs) You're afraid of everything in this very sort of surface way. And then you go through life and you really understand pain. I don't want to say that young people don't experience pain fully, but as an adult, you have more of a sense of what it's truly done. And have more of an appreciation of of the bitter, and yeah, like I come back to Poe and stories that I haven't read for a while, and they they always they're I find them to be continue to be impactful, um, just because of more life experience. Right, it's you know not to diminish anybody's pain or what's not or not you know real, but typically, you know the younger people, you know their pain it's like compounded as you get older. You're like, oh, I'm not going to be with my eighth grade high school boyfriend girlfriend anymore like really did you really think you were going to be like that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard in my entire life like rarely anybody is but you know them that's like earth shattering end of the world but then as you get older and you're you're, you're building that on then you're you know you you know whatever it might be and you add mortgages and you add kids and you add 
jobs and salaries and you know it just gets and, and loss and and love and things like that you know real things as i'm sitting here talking about superficial things like oh then my sneakers got dirty it was so terrible yeah but as you add you know loss and love and and these other things and trying to make ends meet and like real decisions like real decisions that come up it, it makes it a little more uh difficult and if you go back and read it you, you can appreciate it more and now that you're saying i mean i should go back as an adult and you know i probably haven't you know read 10 15 years not that I was an adult then, but now, you know, as we talked about compounded pain, I'm ready for it's it. More. Like you notice more, certainly you're, you're spending a little more time with it. Um, I think though, too, as an adult, you might've had this experience too. Like sometimes you don't realize how deeply something has hurt or changed you until you get that distance from it. So like you said, you know, a young person's notion of that pain when you're young, you can actually bounce back a little bit from it or heal or think you've healed, but that actually you're really just kind of scabbing over and healing over that. And then as an adult, you find more of that buried pain and it can be a revelation, <laughs> you know, like what, how deeply you were hurt and where that comes from in literature, like whether it's books, movies, the kind of cathartic kind of works, draw that out. And you're, you're, you're sitting there raw and not quite realizing what just happened. And then you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> that's a great thing that literature can do for you. Art can do for you. Reveal these things about yourself as you're taking in from someone else. So but it sounds religious, but this is what I do for a living. So <laughs> I'm a convert. This is what I do. I think it's great. And the definitely different types of work speak to different people. There's people, you know, there's bands that people swear by that like I'll listen to it for two minutes. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like how does that make that connection with you? And but Edgar Allan Poe would say, in general, this isn't you're you're not off on on some one one hit wonder managing the house that they grew up in. I think you you're on the right side of history here. I think you're you know you you're backing a winner, so that's good. And it's nice that you're, you're very passionate about about what you do. And you know that was gonna be about a joke question I had for you is like, do you like Edgar Allan Poe, or does this happen to be a, like a job that you scored? And you're like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it. This is good. Yeah, you even like this guy. Oh, yeah, it's it's funny. What I found is people are very like I feel passionate about Poe, but I've met some folks that are just whoa. <laughs> um, I've met some scholars who clearly have devoted their entire lives to Edgar Allan Poe and the study of his work and even the study of the man's history, and they're fascinating folks. But also, it's it's almost monastic. They're they're calling to devoted to another writer's work. Yeah, I, I love my job. I don't know that I could do that. <laughs> so <laughs> I meet some very passionate folks. Um, they're always a great pleasure to sort of see how they're deeply impacted in different ways and take it a different direction. Some wonderful artists. That's a great thing about the festival too. You're bringing together a lot of really cool, creative people who all like the same thing and you already have something in common and just have a really good time enjoying that community. That's a lot of fun. Yeah, I can imagine the independent artwork spun off of Poe's readings and people's interpretations could be, you know, exciting and fun to see and and how it reacts to, the, to their people's experiences. Yes. yes. And he's public domain, so everybody gets a piece and uh, Rudy can do some cool stuff. Hence how we had the following with Kevin Bacon, that it was public That's domain. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I did like that show. <laughs> I liked, I watched, I think I watched it for two seasons. The first season, I, th I think the idea started off great. And I was hooked, like, oh, this can be really good. And I remember maybe it was like Super Bowl or whatever they were showing like previews coming up soon. It was like, wow, this show's gonna be pretty cool. 
And then I watched the first season. I was kind of on board. And then just slowly, I just faded off. I have no idea how it ended or... But that's also me it with most happen TV to shows. shows. Right, right, right. Yeah. It was, you know, startlingly violent. But James Purfoy, I'd seen him in other movies. Like Kevin Bacon. Love Kevin Bacon. If Mr. Bacon, if you're listening, love your work. Uh, James <laughs> you're Purfoy. You're welcome to the podcast too, Mr. Bacon. Please come to the podcast. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yep. <laughs> uh, James Purfoy uh, was amazing in that. And I've been a fan ever since. And so he was also in Altered Carbon, the first season of Altered Carbon. And guess who's in Altered Carbon? Chris Connor as Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> So that was awesome. That was absolutely awesome too. This so, all ties back for you. It does. The Poe is everywhere. The power of Poe is really cool. My husband keeps introducing himself as um, <laughs> married to the woman who's married to Edgar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the, he's like, I'm the other man in the relationship. How's this happening? <laughs> the other man, exactly. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, it's just Poe's everywhere. And yeah, you have to like it. But yes, I have seen Wednesday. So people stop texting me. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny and then public domain just as a little offshoot here is just funny on its own that i was at a family party and winnie the pooh's public domain okay i guess so and they just made a horror movie about it where <laughs> the sides once go down a dark path i was like what is happening here but uh that one hurt my feelings i'm a, like public domain and all that that one hurt my feelings that they did that but Okay. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, you know, just public domains kind of like take your own little spin on it. Maybe not. We don't need the backstory of how right. he went dark and, you know, think, things got tough. But hey, I guess that's out there. There's something for everybody. You know, I was, I used to sit back about that. Well, I do sit back about it. I mean, people do what they want and everything like that. I, the other time that the Winnie the Pooh murder movie hurt my feelings, I won't see it. And then I remember reading a Sherlock Holmes book where the writer, I don't remember the title of the book. I deliberately blacked it out. So I'm going to spoil it for everybody, but <laughs> I don't know which one it is, but the writer made Sherlock Holmes, Jack the Ripper. Oh. And that hurt my feelings too. <laughs> you can't say public domain and then just ruin it. Like that's not what it's there for. It's not for you to destroy they it. They do. And they yeah. will. And it's all you can do. Everybody, everybody gets a piece, but uh, I decline. <laughs> so Edgar Allan Poe, he passed away in October. We have this festival in October. October's Halloween, obviously, right? Do we have any Poe ghost stories? Is there Poe haunting anywhere? Is he in Baltimore still roaming some of the old bars he would go to? Uh, well, of course, there are the, the legends and the stories. I will tell you what I, my official statement on this matter as the director of the Poe House, I personally have not experienced any phenomena. But stuff happens around me to people around me all the time. I have oddly, and not on purpose, I have worked in some of the most haunted buildings in the United States. I lived in Savannah, Georgia. I worked, uh, I did the books at Moon River Brewing Company and the, what used to be, what is the oldest, it was the oldest hotel in, in History Channel declared that building was haunted building in America. Nothing happened to me there. I worked in a cemetery. Late at night, some evenings, nothing like I, I lived in an apartment building that had literally been built on top of an old cemetery. And again, this stuff happens around me all the time to people, but not to me. And my husband teases me like the ghosts know you want them to talk, like know you want them to talk to you. So they're just like, whatever, they don't need to <laughs> like you can't sit with us kind of kind of thing. But it has never happened to me. 
But you will see stories just about everywhere, not just in Baltimore where Poe was buried, but uh, other places where he was that insist that Poe haunts the building or or something like that. So I don't know. I'm open to the idea, but no personal experience with it. I love that you just live in all these haunted places and nothing is happening. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's I not haunted at all. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Knock on wood. Like, no, they don't ever talk to me. And so I'm I'm like a rock. Nothing, no antenna, no phenomena antenna for me. So So have there ever been a published piece by Edgar Allan Poe that was claimed to be by him that then had to be retracted that ended up found that there was a forgery? You know, this is the early 1800s, mid 1800s. You know, people weren't posting on IG that, hey, I just wrote this new book, come pick it up. It wasn't on Amazon to get delivered the next day. So maybe chain of custody of books could have been a little shady and anything like there, that? There were, like, you'd have to go to eapo.org. It's the Edgar Allan Poe Society of Baltimore. They have a list of things attributed to Poe that ended up not being so. What complicates the matter is, again, Poe is magazine editor, and so he's contributing to the magazine. And sometimes he's writing under different names to make the magazine look more full. <laughs> they might have been short some material or some things are being attributed to different editors or that Poe wrote or stuff like that. So you do have a couple of things. And then once Poe dies, Rufus Griswold makes some changes that have been identified as not likely Poe. It's just Rufus Griswold being a jerk. So nothing comes to mind. But there is a history of different pieces uh, and different quotes <laughs> in this age of, you know, quick quotes about Poe. Um, I'm guilty of this, too. I'll like I'll need a quote and I'll like just Google what did Edgar Allan Poe say about friendship uh, or whatever. There's a lot of stuff attributed to Poe that he never, never said. So uh, she's not that into you. Poe didn't say that. Or <laughs> let's see a couple of other ones. I'm drinking ale today. It's actually my favorite one, but it might not have been said by Poe. So stuff like that. So there is a there is a list that go to eapo.org and you'll find it. But the big, the big stuff, the cool stuff, Telltale Heart, Bit in the Pendulum, all that, all of those are posts. They're really posts, I promise. Oh, oh, perfect. Yeah. So one of my favorite things now, you know, living in, you know, the technological age that we do and you know, the madness of Facebook or whatever is just the the sad celebrity picture. And then some quote that obviously they didn't say at all. And then people just <laughs> reposting it. Like The Rock didn't have, uh, yeah, I don't, I find that so strange. And for people's need to then post that, I, yeah, I don't know. I need like yes. Dr. Drew on the show to analyze people on, on why you would think that was a good idea. It's easy to click and repeat, especially if something <laughs> yeah. sounds good. I think Mark Twain is really like misquoted. He and said a whole bunch of really clever stuff, but not all of the, the stuff that's out there. And yeah, that happens. Yeah. I think like the Benjamin Franklin's that beer proves that God loves us. I, I saw something that said that he may not not have said that. Not have been the one, right? Yeah, but like you know what? Maybe you should stop doing your research, then, buddy. Like that's a great quote. Leave it to him. <laughs> the man's on a hundred dollar bill. Are you? Like that's the that's the end of the story. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, no, I think probably we've all been guilty too of like retweeting or reposting something that we don't really know if they said. But yeah. So Poe's greatest critic, Rufus Griswold, he becomes owner of Poe's work after he passes away. And then he writes his eulogy and it's a scathing eulogy and it goes around the country and people are reading this. And then there's the things about the alcoholism and madness that are attributed to his writings and his biography. Why didn't he destroy his work more? It, it seems like he left a lot of it intact. You said there were some changes they were able to identify, but it seemed like at this 
time in history where there isn't this great chain of custody mm-hmm. of things. Why didn't he just cancel him, delete him? Well, his work was already out there. Edgar Allan Poe was one of the early proponents of copyright, too, because he saw his work published over and over without any money coming to him. He saw translated internationally without any money coming to him. This is something he complained about because this is a man who received about $40 for the first publication of The Raven. He's writing for magazines, which they're shorter pieces, poems, easy to just yoink. And and I think it was a publishing model where because it was so difficult to police it, you might have American printers republishing books, printing books from Europe that they probably shouldn't, did not have permission and should not have been. And But how's anybody, what, what are you going to do about it? You know, so they could sell this stuff, make a lot of money and nobody could come after them. So Poe, but Poe was out there. Poe was published because he's a magazine writer too. He's almost getting published almost as quickly as he's writing. He's not sitting on a hoard of things like Emily Dickinson. So some things could have been destroyed if they remained unpublished. But Poe, because he was kind of short on money too, there were very lean years for an adult Edgar Allan Poe. And so he needed to he needed to make the money almost as quickly as he could write the words. So I, I doubt there was a lot of stuff being held back because of Poe's financial situation. So no hidden manuscript underneath the, the Philadelphia house, the museum that they have. I'm, I'm there not going to go claims. over there. There are claims. claims. Okay. There are claims of different things. And I think it's 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 harder to forge things these days, but at the same time, it's not that it doesn't happen. And it hurts people's feelings when they think they've found something special. And <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh sorry. It wasn't sorry. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> um no, it's it's kind of it is fascinating. The desire to change or the desire to um Rufus Griswold, if his desire was to obliterate Poe's reputation. He failed miserably. He got people even more interested. I, I, can't, I can't be sorry for that. But the, what's tough about writing in manuscripts, writers out there, you know, you'd like you're never finished. You're always, you're always rewriting. Poe was no exception. Like he's revising different times, changing phrases as different things go to publication, different things changing like that too. We know, for instance, with the mystery of Marie Roger, Poe is writing kind of parallel to a true crime that's going on that had happened in New York. And the coverage of that case is ongoing. And Poe wanted to put forward his theory of the crime. So he's writing this story, but then one month before publication, that story, the the public begins to accept one theory of the crime. So Poe very quickly had to change, change his ending. And what happened to the original version, that story is out there. So it's kind of, it, writers do change their work. And it's a little bit like artists too. You're never finished noodling. You're never you're never quite done. So you have different versions of things uh, that reach publication. And editors can change things too. Right. That's, that's interesting uh, for him to change the end of the story to go with what the public wanted at, a, at that time. <laughs> right. Who do you see now? Not you know Edgar Allan Poe, but or is there anybody you're reading currently that that gives you know the same short story or or poem vibes that that he had? Is there somebody you'd recommend that people pick up that's similar? I'm a big fan of Dennis Lehane. He wrote Mystic River and a beautiful 
speaking of short stories, beautiful collection of short stories I, I read every year called Coronado, which is wonderful. Talk about, you know, that heartbreak in a story that just kind of lingers. Dennis Lehane does that very, very well. <laughs> Completely off, <laughs> off subject. I love De- Diana Gabaldon, her entire Outlander series. <laughs> so, uh, my <laughs> wife likes the, uh, the TV show. Big yes. stars fan over there. Yeah, well, I, I like the TV show too, quite a bit. <laughs> the, the books are books are amazing. If people are interested in um, the pale blue eye, was made into a film, but the book made me ugly cry. That's just a beautiful, beautiful book. That one of my absolute favorites. Uh, that's by Lewis Bayard. He's really, really great. So if you want a, a story with a young Edgar Allan Poe when he was a cadet at West Point. It's completely fake. Not, none about nothing about it is true. Some some points of Poe's biography that are are sort of dra- dramatized in a book, but it's a wonderful book. But uh, those are my favorites. We live in the age of the multiverse, so everything is true. Don't worry. Somewhere on some timeline, that happened completely. <laughs> so Poe is still alive. He's still writing. <laughs> yeah, that's it. There's definitely a Spider Verse timeline. Yeah, so bring him in for Spider Man three. I'm excited for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So October, we have Poe Fest. Yes. Yes. The International Edgar Allan Poe Festival. Two days. Uh, Again, uh, lots of events uh, around that as well. Very, very fortunate to announce a new sponsor in Wells Fargo Bank. They've got some really exciting stuff planned. And if you can't make the festival this year, consider coming out next year because next year is the 75th anniversary of the Edgar Allan Poe House as a museum. And so it's going to be a really big year. So please come out. Both years, every year. Come, Come every year. Don't just stop every for this year. year or next year. Every year. Yeah. Every year. Uh, just a short drive. I mean, two hours, two and a half from New York City down, you know, Philadelphia area. You know, this is easy to get to for a lot of people. A lot of people on the East Coast. Great time you, of year. It, October. Weather's perfect. Clearly, you get great traffic because anytime I try to drive to New York, it's like four hours, five hours. <laughs> How fast do you drive, Brian? <laughs> uh, probably too fast. Uh, I go with the flow of traffic. And you know what? If you get ahead of the people, then you can't get rear-ended by them or sideswiped. So that's, that's, that's my idea. Drive that's to Baltimore, two o'clock in the morning, you will make the times that Brian just <laughs> Yeah, you are fine. Yeah. Yeah. So New York City to Baltimore may be a little off. Uh, but you know, Philadelphia area to Baltimore, that's not too far off. <laughs> But we have a lot of really, really fun events planned. Uh, the Poe and Comics exhibit uh, is a lot. Uh, we're really, really proud of this exhibit that will be at Westminster Hall. We will have original art from Richard Corbin's estate at that exhibit. We have lots of classic comics. The Poe Museum in Richmond is contributing uh, some art for the exhibit as well. We have some contemporary artists, Gareth Hines, Dwight McPherson. So if you want to see some really, really cool Poe in comics, everybody loves comics these days. So come on out for that. And then just a lot of really fun events. And it is, again, a, a free event. So you don't have to spend anything. Just come on down to Poe Fest and enjoy the stage and the music and just hang out. The costumes. We're going to have a Poe raid this year. And, uh, <laughs> a lot it. of people, the way people dress up and stuff, it's really a lot of fun. So come on out. I love it. That's great. Is there any roads we haven't covered? Do you want to go down any other paths? Oh, one more. Uh, if there are creators out there, it is called the International Edgar Allan Poe Festival and Awards. So we have the Saturday Visitor Awards. They honor a new generation of artists and writers inspired by Edgar Allan Poe. 
The awards call for entries open uh, in January and post-birthday every year. Deadline to enter is May 30th. We just announced the official nominees for the festival this year. We announced the winners at the Black Cat Ball at the festival in October. But the Saturday visitors were named for an award that Edgar Allan Poe himself won while he was living at uh, Amity Street in Baltimore, where the museum is. And if there are any creators who are inspired by Poe or adapting Poe, we want to see the best work, best art from creators keeping Poe in popular culture today. So, Awesome. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yes, yes. We've got uh, some nominees this year from Luxembourg and from England and a lot of really, really cool folks from just about everywhere. Uh, Canada coming in uh, all over the United States uh, who've entered works and I'm really excited about uh, the nominees this year. But if anybody wants to participate at the festival and you are a creative, consider the Saturday Visitor Awards. What is the best way for people to follow the festival, the Edgar Allan Poe House and Museum? social media is anything like that? Sure. Uh, so everything festival is at pofestinternational.org. That is the festival website. And you'll have the links to our program for the uh, uh, this year's uh, event, as well as the link to any of the paid ticketed events. If you want to follow anything about Poe House, though, we're Poe Baltimore on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, slash whatever they're calling themselves these days. Uh, coming out for that. We do will be streaming some of the festival on our YouTube channel. We want to see more of it. We need more subscribers. So click the uh, subscribe button. Everything about Poe Baltimore, poebaltimore.org. You'll see about the, the museum, about our programming, what we do, and uh, how to keep our chamber door open to visitors all over the world. Awesome. That's great. And since you mentioned Twitter and, and X now, I have to say something about it. And Elon Musk, if you are listening, you're welcome on the program as well. But you know, no matter how you feel about them, you can't rebrand. You cannot rebrand. It is Twitter. It is tweeting. It is not X. And then X. Well, I don't know what it is, but it's Twitter and tweet. Like Elon Musk, come on, man. Got to fix it. Not too late. You want me to what now? You want me to X now? Okay, it sounds vaguely indecent. I don't know. It, it, it sounds very indecent. Yeah. And when my kids are telling me when they, you know, whenever I give them the cell phone, they were doing, I'm going to freak out before I slow down. Like, whoa, oh, okay. You're just tweeting. And they're like, okay, boomer. You know what? I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I, I, I admire all these people who are swearing off social media. I have to stay on social media for work. <laughs> it would be nice to just oh, no, but no, we're on we're on all the channels. So when I go on vacation, it is the best how many ever days or week, whatever it might be, because I'm rarely on any of the stuff. And and no one makes me go on this, you know. But like I go on this, get show ideas, and keep up with the news. But then I'm like so into it, and then it just drives. It's just the insanity. I don't know. It's it's like self abuse that I'm enjoying. I'm I'm not sure what's happening. Self-abuse that I'm enjoying. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's pretty criminal how much time disappears into it. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's nuts. But Enrique, thank you so much for coming on. I truly appreciate it. You're a friend of the program. So we're gonna we're gonna push your stuff out when you have it. We'll let people uh know all the websites and, and IG and all that stuff you put in there, I'll put in the show notes so it's easy for people to follow. But I think good that you guys have coming out. You know, I'm going to follow you guys on social media. I'll help you, you know, spread the word and get that out too. So I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. And, and thanks for this conversation. Thank you. I look forward to seeing you at the festival. Yes, 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 yes. I'm going to try for this year, but if not 75th, I don't see why not. I can definitely make that happen. Or every year. Why stop this? every year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. 
All right, everyone, that was our show. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. Like and follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date in all things wild and weird. Check out the links in the show notes for more information on our guests. The biggest support you can offer is to tell everyone about the podcast. Until next time.